0: This morning our reading comes from 2 Samuel, and Gabriel is going to bring that reading for us this morning. It's a big reading. I know it's 51 verses. We'll probably get out before lunchtime. <laughs> but it's one of those bits of scripture that you can't break up into smaller bits. Okay? It, it's David's song of praise. It's probably the last song that King David wrote. And Gabriel, I invite you to come and bring to us our reading from uh, 2 Samuel verse chapter 22. Enjoy this reading. It's a wonderful
1: can I just say something? Martin's testimony this morning in regards to his brother really touched me. And I had another last night after watching the rugby. South Africa one, of course. <laughs> but, the post speech of the captain, he said, "I asked him what their plan was, what their strategy was. He said, individually, we couldn't have done it. We have 57 million people back home. There's trouble in your land, but if we had not done it together, We cannot take the message back home, that there is hope and and strength in unity. It was a message for me, telling me that we as Christians, if we want to do things individually and on our own, we are lost. We can forget, we can chuck it away, because we need to tell the millions around the world and show them what Christianity is about. It's about going together. We will never reach glory unless we do it together. The reading this morning, Second Samuel 22, verses 1 to 51, page 232 on the Pew Bibles. David sang to the Lord the words of the song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent people you save me. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. The waves of death have swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of heaven shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke arose from his nostrils, consuming fire from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him. The dark rain clouds of the sky, out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare. And the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of breath from his nostrils, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted me. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord. I am not guilty from turning from God. All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees I have been blameless before and have kept myself from sin The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness according to my cleanness in his sight To the faithful you show yourself faithful To the blameless you show yourself blameless To the pure you show yourself pure But to the devious you show yourself shrewd You save the humble but your eyes are on the haughty you bring them low You Lord are my lamp The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hand for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. I pursued my enemies and crushed them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them completely and they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them to the Lord. But he did not answer. I beat them as fine as dust of the earth. I pounded and trampled them like the mud in the streets. You have delivered me from the attacks of the peoples. You have preserved me as the land head of nations people I do not know now serve me. Foreigners cower before me. As soon as they hear of me, they obey me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be my God, the rock my savior. He is the God who avenges me, who puts nations under me, who sets me free from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From a violent man you rescued me. Therefore I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing love, unkindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Praise be to the word
0: of the Lord. Thank you, brother. It's a big reading, but I'm sure we're going to get a lot out of it this morning. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would bring your word alive in each of our hearts, that we might be like David and also be able to come to that place where we can sing a great song to you for the things that you have achieved in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're approaching the end of this series. One more after this. David's done it all now. We've observed the journey of David's life. We've seen him revealed to be a shepherd, a soldier, a sovereign, a singer, and a sinner. He's been known as the son of Jesse, David the king, a man after God's own heart, and Israel's singer of songs. But now David is approaching the end of his life. The shepherds are beginning to grow long for David. Time has begun to take its toll in this great king's life. If you might churn, turn back to, to chapter 21 for a moment. Chapter 21, verses uh, 15 to 17. It says, Once again there was battle between the Philistines and Israel. David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines and he became exhausted. And Ishbi Benob, one of the descendants of Rapha, whose bronze spearhead weighed 300 shekels, and who was armed with a new sword, said he would kill David. But Abishai, son of Zeruiah, came to David's rescue. He struck the Philistine down and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, saying, Never again will you go out with us to battle, so that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished." David's approaching the end of his life here. He's an old man, and he still goes out into battle against another giant. The sons of Rapha were giants. So David's not scared, he's going to go anyway, but he's getting a little tired. And this nephew of his who caused him no end of problems rescued him. So praise God for nephews that can be a bit difficult at times. <laughs> but the process of this is he's forbidden by his men. They said, no, nope, this is it, you're going to retirement, boss. It's time for you to sit down in the palace and we'll go and do the work. And David knows that the days of battle are coming at an end for him. He knows he's just about finished his earthly race. And perhaps during those long days in the palace, David begins to reflect back on a life that's been lived for God. David has achieved achieved true greatness. He's a mighty king. He rules a great kingdom. And after this battle, his kingdom is at peace. God's given him victory over every enemy. If you go back to, to chapter 22, it says so. David sang to the Lord the words of the song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So it's the end of battle time now. He's been delivered by God. And as David remembers where the Lord found him and all that the Lord had done for him, David took his pen in his hand or his quill or whatever it was he did his writing with in those days and he began to write the words of this chapter. 2 Samuel chapter 22 is almost identical to Psalm 18. There are only a few words that are different. It's almost identical. And it's a great song. Some scholars believe that this could well be David's last song. And if that's true, it's the song of his old age. It's a song of joy. It's a song of victory and praise. And it's written at the close of a race that's been well run. Reading this song is like reading all of David's psalms rolled into one. It's David's song of songs. And as David writes about his own walk with the Lord, he gives some insight into our walk with the Lord. We're reminded of who God is and what God does for his children. Today, I want to look at this great song. I want for us to get a a glimpse of God who is worthy of praise, worthy of worship, worthy of songs. So let's have a look at this. Got your Bible open? Good. Have a look at verses 2 to 3 of this, this wonderful song. David says this, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer my god is my rock in whom i take refuge my shield and the horn of my salvation he is my stronghold my refuge and my savior from violent men you save me ten times in two verses david says me and my david is talking about a relationship that he has with god he's talking about a relationship that is personal personal david didn't just know about god david knew god he didn't live what others told him. He knew God for himself. David's use of me and my reminds me of a small child. Little children do this. They talk about me and my all the time, It's one of the first things they learn to say. And David, it seems, he has, a, has a, in fact, a childlike love for the Lord. In Psalm 18, verse 1, it adds this statement. It says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. That word love that's used in that particular verse means to love deeply to have compassion, mercy it was used of a mother's love when her mother was holding her little baby it carries the idea of hugging it's the image of a mother cuddling a newborn baby holding her close to, the, to a heart of pure love it's the kind of relationship that David had with God he says, he is my God And I want him close to my heart. David is talking about. Let's stop right there for a moment. I could finish the sermon here and it would be a good sermon. Because, brothers and sisters, we need to apply this to ourselves. Do you have that kind of personal relationship with the Lord? It's not enough just to go to church. It really isn't. It's not enough to listen to great sermons. It really isn't. You need to not know about God. You need to know God. You don't need to know what others believe about him. You need to know what you believe about him. You have to know him for yourself. You have to humble yourself like a little child and cling to God by faith. In fact, Jesus said those very words. He says, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. David received the kingdom like a little child and he entered into it and he knew about it. He had God in his heart. Can you talk about my God? You've got to say my, not my, yours. You're my, yeah? You need to be able to do that. He also sings of a powerful relationship. David knows the Lord as his saviour. He knows the Lord as his sanctuary. And God has has, has placed David on the run. And many times he sees David on the run. But he tells God as, as God being his stability because he refers to God as his rock. He talks about God being his shield. He talks about God being his safety or his fortress. He talks about God being his sanctuary. That's a refuge. God being his saviour. David is saying that the Lord is all that he needs in times of trouble. And trouble came. Look at verses 5 to 7. The waves of death swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cord Coiled around me, the snares of death confronted me. And in my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God, and from His temple He heard my voice. My cry came to His ears. David calls on the Lord, and the Lord hears his cry, and the Lord delivers him. There are many times in David's life when the gates of cities were closed off to him. There was a time when he couldn't go to Jerusalem. He couldn't go to the tabernacle where the presence of God was at. He couldn't go into any of the cities of the earth. They are all closed up to him and no one offered him help or hope. But the wonderful thing is that the gates of heaven were open to David. The very throne of God was open when he cried out to God. When he lifted his cry to God, God heard him and God moved in power to help him. Brothers and sisters, I'm so excited because this is not just for David. This is for you and me as well. This is the kind of blessing that all of those who know the Lord can enjoy. His ears are always open to our cry. He invites us to flee to him in our hours of trouble. And when we will do, we will find just like David that God is all that we need. Come before the throne of heaven in time of need. Throne of grace. It's open there for you. Verses 8 to 20, David speaks and sings of a profound relationship. He goes into great detail as he speaks about how God moves in power to defend him, to sustain him. He tells us that God worked in miraculous power time and time again just to deliver David from those who wanted to destroy him. And why did God do this? Please have a look, if you would, at verse 20. It's a beautiful verse for a moment. I want you to, to recognize this. Let me read for you. It says, He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because He delighted in me. That word delighted just leapt out of the page at me when I was looking at that one. This is really interesting. God delivers David. Why? Because God delights in David. That word delight means to take pleasure in. David. God took pleasure in David. God blessed David, protected David, sustained David, all because God loved him and took pleasure in their relationship. God seems to be saying, David is my child. I love him. I want to bless him because I can. And I'll do whatever I have to to protect him and provide him for him. That's a profound relationship, isn't it? Brothers and sisters, good news is this is not just for David. This is for you and for me. We can enjoy the same kind of relationship with our God. We see it so often in the Bible. Elijah and the widow, remember when they had nothing and they had something? The three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. The feeding of the five thousand. The disciples in the boat when the the weather changed. Oh, by the way, I experienced that on Friday night out in the dam, Glenbourne Dam. We were fishing away there. It was dead calm, wonderful. It was hot, dark. It was okay. It was getting too dark. We couldn't see anymore. We decided to head back to where we were camped. And all of a sudden, a storm cell blows out over the lake. Within two minutes, there were waves. It was getting exciting. Andre's looking at me. I'm looking at Andre. We're like, ah, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> Do we have to call the Lord just yet? No, we got the shore. We're just in a moment there. We were there. we at the shore. Tied our boat up. But that's the relationship you have with God. Can I call on Him? Yes, I can call on Him at one of those times. Because listen to the promise. Jesus puts it this way. He says, do not be afraid, little flock, for the Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Who does the kingdom belong to? You and me, aren't we the little flock? Well, there's more. I want some more. Let's go back to the New Testament for a moment. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to a little bit further on. This is for all of you that overthink things. Who does that? Who worries? Come on. All right, listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. Therefore, says Jesus, I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Well, there's a question worth pondering. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, isn't that true? Tonight, when you're lying in bed staring at the ceiling, just think that. What did Martin say? Where was that thing in the Bible there someplace? I find it. Matthew chapter six, verse. Further following, okay? The thought for the moment that the God of the universe would condescend to bless us just because he takes pleasure in us is a thought that's almost too profound for the mind to grasp. Imagine that. Imagine the God of the universe taking pleasure in you. All of us, but you, particularly in person. God takes pleasure in you. Imagine God working things out on our behalf, moving mountains, meeting needs, working things out, just because we delight Him. That's something I think that is worth singing about. Mate, I'd shout about it. That's exciting. But there's even more in this beautiful psalm. David sings about a God who sustains him, because he not, not, not does he know God in a saving relationship, he knows, also knows God in a sustaining relationship. Because God has delivered his soul from death, and and he's delivered David from harm and danger on many occasions. He's also delivered David in times of temptation. Let's look in verses 21 to 28. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he's rewarded me. For I've kept the ways of the Lord. I've not done evil by turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I've not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. To the faithful you show yourself faithful, to the blameless you show yourself blameless, to the pure you show yourself pure, but to the crooked you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but your, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. And it goes on. This is this a fascinating passage of Scripture. David says that he's been enabled to remain true to the Lord and to keep his word. Now, to be honest with you, brothers and sisters, when I was reading this, I was a little bit puzzled. Because if you, like me, have been reading the story that came before this, David's declaring that he never sinned. Now, don't you and I know better than that? He was a naughty boy, wasn't he? He was guilty of adultery, murder, deception. But we also need to remember that David was a prophet. And he understood this wonderful theological term of imputed righteousness. Okay, That is right standing with God that was given to him. He understood that. And that's what David is talking from. If you have a look at at, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7 for a moment. You see, David had faith in Jesus. He didn't know Jesus just yet, but he knew of someone who was coming. Second Samuel, chapter seven, verses 12, if I can find it. Yeah. "When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I'll raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body and I'll establish His kingdom." He is the one who will build my house for my name and I'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Interesting. Of course, we're learning about Solomon as well. But remember, this is also a prophetic piece of scripture. We are talking now about the greater son of David. Who was the greater son of David that we know in the New Testament? His name was Jesus, exactly. Jesus is also known as the son of David. So David was seeing this. And he has, now he's seeing his relationship with God by faith because David was a covenant man. He knew he had a covenant with God and through that covenant with God, he would be forgiven of all of his sin. So he believed in the great son of David who was yet to come. He believed in Jesus. So the righteousness of Jesus was given to him way back then, even before Jesus has walked on earth as we know him. So so David believed the Lord Jesus by faith and accepted Him on that basis. So when others have strayed away from the path, David has continued to walk in 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 the ways of the Lord by faith. What incredible joy that is, because you know what, brothers and sisters, we can do exactly the same thing. Being righteous means we have right standing with God. Now, is that us? Well... Let's have a look. 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 30. Important that we understand this. Paul's writing to Corinthians, he says this, he says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Paul is saying to us right there in those words, and I know it's a little difficult to understand, but focus for a minute if you would. If you are in Jesus, God in His wisdom has made you righteous, holy, and He has redeemed you. Righteous means you are in right relationship with God. That means on the last day you can stand before God sinless. Can I say that? I have. We sing about it all the time. Open your hymn book to the front cover. We sing this thing from scripture all the time. Now unto him who is able to keep, able to keep you from falling, and present you faultless. This is scripture, by the way. Before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we come. Jesus is going to present us faultless before the Father. David knew that. By faith. He knew that. He understood that. He could stand before God. He said, I am sinless before God because of the sacrifice of Christ. Even though he didn't know the personal stuff that we know about that. He knew that as a prophet. And I find that to be incredibly exciting. Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Someone doubting. I can feel it. That's alright. The Word of God will deal with you. Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Paul says this, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which come which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Brothers and sisters, do you hear what the scripture is saying to you? Describing you, you have a standing with God by faith in Christ Jesus, not the keeping of the law. It is not by works. You cannot get right with God by working for it. You get right with God by faith, faith in Jesus Christ. He died for you to present you faultless before the Father. That's exciting, isn't it? It's in the Bible, by the way. You can read it too. All right. So he's delivered David through times of temptation. He's also delivered David through times of testing. Back to Second Samuel, verse, uh, chapter twenty-two, verse twenty-nine. He says, "You are verse twenty-nine. Yeah, you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord turns my darkness into light." There are many times when David didn't know which way to turn in life. Those times, God had been his guiding light. God revealed the next step to him and the next bit of the path, time and time again. God's done the same for us. He's given us His Word. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So get into the Word, brothers and sisters. When you don't know which way to turn, get into the Word. John chapter 16, verse 13 talks about the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. Who is the truth, by the way? Jesus. The Holy Spirit is going to guide us into Christ Jesus. When you know Him, you know the truth. And the truth will set you free. From what? Having to pay the penalty of your sins. And then what? You're righteous before God. Am I repeating myself? Good, because we need to understand it. God will get us there. So He'll deliver us through times of testing and He'll deliver us through times of trials. Have a look at 2 Samuel verse 30. With your help I can advance against a troop With my God I can scale a wall. So God enabled David to have victory over the enemy and David's been able to achieve the impossible time and time again. Why? Because God sustains him through every test. Whether it was a lion or a bear or a giant or a king or a soldier or a son, God has allowed David to experience victory over every single obstacle he faces in his life. Now that was David, that was back then. What about us? The saints of God can enjoy the same kind of relationship with God our Father. When it comes to temptation, God will deliver us from that, if we want Him to. In times of testing and trial, He supports us with His presence. He sustains us with His power. He supplies us with His promises. My God shall meet all your needs according to His riches in what glory. Thank you. Praise God. Thank God He's a God who sustains us and He gives us hope. He fills our heart with songs of praise. Well, let me move on a little bit. Verses 31 to 49. David sings of a God who strengthens. Because David's life has been one of of warfare and conflict. But through all the battles, all the problems, God has sustained him and strengthened him. And God sings about this God who strengthens him. God who protects him. Look at verses 31 to 34. As my God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. And who is God besides the Lord? Who is the rock except our God? And then he goes on. He talks about God's protection here. He declares that the Lord is his strength and his source of power. The Lord guards him. The Lord enables him to flee like, like a deer when there's danger. You ever seen a deer do the bolt? They run like crazy and they can run over amazing, th- difficult things. And God's been his rock and lifted him out of every battle. And God's prepared him. Look at verses 35 for a second. Um, 35, yeah. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. He's a strong bloke. The Lord has taught David the art of war. And God has instructed David in the tactics necessary for victory and the lessons they've served David well. And even in the heat of battle, David can stand firm. And God has promoted David also. Verse 38 says, I pursued my enemies and I crushed them. I didn't turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them completely and they couldn't rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You made my adversaries bow down at my feet. And he goes on and on and on. And he says that God has preserved him, made him the head of nations. So God's taken David from obscurity and he's elevated him to a place of power over the nation of Israel. He elevates David far above all of his opponents. And every enemy has been placed under David's feet and he walks out in absolute victory over all of his foes. That's interesting because David walks in what we long for. Don't we long for victory in our lives? Well, I would just like to remind you that the same God that strengthened David is the same God who promised to strengthen us. Psalm 55, verse 22 says, Cast your cares upon the Lord and He will sustain you. God is our protector. John 10, verses 28 and 29 says, I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish. How good is that? Never perish. He's our preparer. Psalm 32, verse 8 says, I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. So God's preparing us. God also promotes us. He's promised us victory. Thanks to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ in uh, 2 Corinthians 2.14. We are already in this wonderful procession, being led in victory. So regardless of what you face, God is always leading you towards victory in your life. And one day you're going to sing the same song just like David. Look at verse 47 for a moment. I think we're going to sing this. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God, the rock, my Savior. We're going to be chanting this in unison one day in heaven, I'm quite sure. See, your path may lead you through what seems like weakness, what seems like defeat, but it's still a pathway of victory. It's a pathway of the Lord. Do you remember what the, what the Lord said when Paul was going through some difficult times and Jesus says to him, My God, is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Brothers and sisters, we might go through tough times. It may be hard. We may see no way out. But the Lord's grace is sufficient for you. All right. We can rest on that. We can lean in it. We can live it. David sings also about a God who secures. Because as David closes this song of songs, he takes a moment to look back, to look around, and to look ahead. And he sings finally about a God who secures. Have a look at verse 50. It starts with this wonderful word, therefore. I like that. When you read the word therefore, you've got to look at the stuff that was before it. Okay? So David's security was, was a past arrangement. That, that word therefore says, look back for a second. So David examines the life, the landscape of a life of all the years that have passed. And as he looks back, he sees the hand of God where God has led him kept him and blessed him. David sees his past. there has been a time of absolute security. I'm excited by that. I am completely and utterly secure. You cannot kill me until it's the day for me to go home. I'm invincible until then. <laughs> I'm secure. Now, good. If we could just take take a minute to look back in our lives, look back to where you were when God found you. Look back to how he saved you, changed your life. Look at his power. Look at his blessings. Look at the miracles he's showered on you over the years. And remember, God has delighted in you. I love to take some time to think about that and think of God, my Father, delighting in me, of all people. How he strengthens you and sustains you on many occasions remember his security in days gone by, and praise his name. But David's security wasn't just a past arrangement. It was also a present asset. As David looks around, he sees the hand of God still at work in his life. He's secured by God's power in the past. He knows that God has, 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 has still got his hand on him. And regardless of what David might face and what he was going to bring, he knows God is the tower of salvation. That's a place you can run into and be saved. See, the the past has been a showcase for God's power in David's life. And he knows that regardless of what today is going to bring, God is still going to keep him safe and secure. Brothers and sisters, that's for you and for me too. God is going to keep us safe and secure. What an incredible assurance belongs to us. Regardless of what today is going to bring in your life or mine, we can rest assured he's going to secure us in the presence In the present time, Romans 8, 28, For we know that in all these things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His promise. Have you been called by God? Then God's working for good in your life, even if life doesn't look that good. I understand that. I lived those, those days too. But I'm secure in the promise that God's going to see me through this. He's going to bring me out the other end, and He's going to invite me to come into His heaven forever. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 15 to 17, says this, and this applies to us quite strongly, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Brothers and sisters, don't look in the mirror too often, except for when you put your makeup on because you need it. But no, seriously, look beyond that. Look what's happening on the inside of you. The Spirit of God is renewing you day by day. We are being transformed to the image of Christ. That's on the inside, in our spirits. Thank God we are partakers of his providence day by day as we move through the valleys and the trials and the tribulations and the burdens of life. God is at work in the present just as he was at work in the past. Whatever comes our way, it's part of his plan. It's a product of his love and blessing in our lives. So that's the past, that's the present. What about the future? Well, maybe we can find it somewhere in there. There's a future in there. David's looking back, he's looking around, he's looking ahead. And when he looks to the future, he sees God working in his life right out into eternity. David knew that God would secure his future just as surely as he knew it secured the past and the present. You and I have the same kind of hope. God didn't just work in our yesterday. God is not just working in our today. He's also working in our future In fact, no matter what time or eternity brings into view, the saints of God are secure in their relationship with the Lord. That's a very clear teaching of the Word of God. Let's have a look. Find it in your Bibles. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. You found it? Romans 8, 28 to 30. We know that in all these things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those, Listen to this, this is about you and me. For those God foreknew, that's us, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. And move on to a little bit further to verse uh, 35. Who, now because of all the above, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? So, by the way, that tells us that this life might be a little bit awkward at times, okay? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, and listen to what he says, this should be you too, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brothers and sisters, we are secure in Christ. That is the blessed hope of the Christian. We are secured in Christ. We have a permanent relationship with the God of glory because of Jesus. Do you hear what the scriptures say? <clears throat> it's no wonder that David burst into the song. Absolutely no wonder. His life has been blessed and graced by Almighty God since the day God called him from following the sheep. God had saved secured him, strengthened him. And the least David could do in return was to praise God with a fitting song designed to thank God for all of his wonderful blessings. When we stop to think about it, this is the song you and I should be singing. If we are saved by God's grace, we enjoy the same blessings and the same benefits that were enjoyed by King David. We have more than enough reason to praise God today and forever. We should get into the business of doing that. I'm going to bring this to a conclusion. We've had enough. I'm concerned about you. Are you sure that you are saved? If not, you can come to Jesus right now and he will save you and begin to demonstrate his power and the blessings that you need in your life. If you're in a difficult situation and you need the the Lord's intervention, you can call on him by faith. Come before the throne right now, the throne of grace, to receive help in time of need. The throne's open to you. It doesn't matter where you are, what your situation is. The throne is always open and God will meet your needs. He'll help you through this thing. Maybe you just want to bow before God today in humble praise and worship and adoration for all that He's done, is doing and will do, whatever it is. Now's the time we need to stop and pray. Let's do that. Father, oh, thank you that we can call you our Father, that we are your children, that we know Jesus as our Savior and our Lord and also as our brother. Because brothers understand what's going on in the family. Thank you, Father, that you've saved us through Jesus in the past. Thank you, Father, that you are working in our lives in the present. And thank you, Father, that we have an incredible hope for the future. Oh, what a joy it is to know that we are going through life, yes, but it's only short. And then we have eternity before us when all of the pains and difficulties of this life will be dealt with and put aside, there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. It says so in the scripture. We'll see Jesus as he is and we'll be like him. Father, I pray today that there'll be a transformative work in the hearts of this congregation of your people that will be excited and passionate about you that we'll overcome all of the obstacles just as David did through faith in you. And out of it all, Father God, we pray that you would receive the glory. For we're praying in Jesus' name.